Hi, I'm Levi from WCF. Before we get into this episode of Faith Foundations, I wanted to take a quick minute to introduce a few other podcasts in the WCF Podcast Network. I am a co-host on a show called A Little Faith, where we explore faith breakdowns and buildups with different people who have very powerful stories to tell. Sam Taylor from Cleveland, Ohio, produces weekly devotionals in Pause to Consider. Think Mr. Rogers meets Fireside Chat. I love Sam's humble style, and I think every episode is fantastic. You can find both of those wherever you get your podcasts or on our website at wcfoundation.org slash podcasts. Also, did you know that WCF sponsors thousands of meals a month for children in India who are unable to afford any food? Please visit wcfoundation.org for more info and donate if you can. Now, here's the show. Today, we're going to talk about Jesus Christ, our Savior. Everyone admits that Jesus lived. He was a real historical person. Everyone knows something about him. People think he was a good man. But when it comes right down to it, Jesus is really controversial. Very little is known about Jesus until he was about 30 years old. At the age of 30, when he appeared on the public scene in Israel, he made a tremendous impact. His personality was powerful and appealing. His miracles attracted crowds. His teachings were new and challenging. Within a short time, he ran into trouble with the religious authorities and a life and death conflict resulted. The authorities finally decided that something had to be done. Within about three years from the start of his ministry, they had arranged his death. However, this wasn't the end. He left behind a group of followers who claimed that he'd been risen from the dead and that he'd appeared to them a number of times after his resurrection and had gone to heaven. The name Jesus Christ gives us insight into his life. Jesus Christ isn't a first name and a last name. Jesus is a given name and it has the meaning of Savior. Christ is a title, which means Messiah. Let's consider what these terms mean. According to the prophets, the Messiah was to be a great ruler. He would establish an order of right and justice. He would protect Israel from the adversary nations round about and make Israel the first nation in the earth. He'd establish Jerusalem as the capital of the world. He'd make the desert blossom and give security to the people. He'd bring peace. He'd cause men to beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. This was the kind of man they were looking for. Jesus presented himself to Israel as the Messiah. However, he didn't do all the things which the prophets said that he was going to do. Jesus' lifestyle and teachings evidently confused many, and his disciples wondered when he was going to bring about his kingdom. They didn't appreciate that there were two roles for the Messiah. The second role, to be the great ruler of Israel. And the first role, to be a sacrifice for sins. The Savior, the one who would save his people from the power of sin by dying as a sacrifice for sins. The prophet Daniel, in his ninth chapter, said that the coming of the Messiah was to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to bring reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness. 
This is a role which Christians understand for the Messiah, but it's a role which is still not understood by the Jewish people. It's abhorrence to them to believe in the idea of salvation from sins through a crucified Messiah, through a crucified Savior. The key is that there are two comings of the Messiah, the first as Savior and the second as conquering King. The second role is yet to come. The role as Savior was fulfilled in Jesus' first coming. The rulers of the Jews didn't recognize that in arranging the crucifixion of Jesus, they were fulfilling his destiny. His destiny was revealed at his birth by his name Jesus, which means Savior. In Matthew chapter 1, an angel says about Mary, the mother of Jesus, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins. So the great plan of redemption from sin, the salvation of mankind, was to be accomplished by Jesus. In the book of Romans chapter 5, we read, While we were yet helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Why, one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. One of the controversial facts then about Jesus is his death for sins. If you'll read the Acts of the Apostles, you'll see that this is one of the things about which the Apostles had to convince the people of that day. In Acts 10, the record of Peter speaking to a Roman centurion, there's a summary of the life of Jesus. I quote, You know the word which he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. The word which is proclaimed throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses to all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him manifest, not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him in all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name, end quote. Forgiveness of sins through his name is contained in the prophets, but it's not obvious. I'm going to quote, however, from the 53rd chapter of Isaiah, an outstanding prediction about the death of Jesus written over 700 years before his birth. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. One would have to admit in the final analysis that this is how the Jewish nation received Jesus. True. Many people liked him, but he was rejected by the leaders of his own nation, and he is still rejected. However, the prophet Isaiah went on to say, quote, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, 
smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. End quote. Here's the role of Jesus, the one who would bear the sins of mankind in the crucifixion, Christ as the Savior, because God has provided it that way. See what happens with the next verse. It says, quote, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. End quote. The chapter goes on to say that Jesus was afflicted, Yet he was as meek as a lamb. He didn't retaliate, even though he had the power to do so. He was cut off from life, Isaiah goes on to say. Quote, For the transgression of my people was he stricken. End quote. In other words, he was killed for the sins of his people. The life of Jesus was a challenge to Jesus' day, and it's a challenge to our day. It wasn't a life of accident. His death wasn't an accident either. Even though Jesus was crucified by his enemies, that very act accomplished God's plan and fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies. This was a hard thought for the Jews of Jesus' day to accept. Paul says it was, quote, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles, end quote. Today, we may also think it foolish if we don't know the divine principles involved. In the death of Jesus, God was demonstrating the natural condition of condemned man, ultimate death. He calls on man to look to the perfect moral life of his son Jesus so that we, by acknowledging sin and acknowledging our dying condition, may find way of escape from death. The way is through the Savior, Jesus. Jesus not only died, he was also raised from death, neither to die again. It's like a door from death to life. God has provided a way to everlasting life by using that door. Jesus is the door. Now, I haven't begun to touch on the profound wisdom and reasons behind the crucifixion. I've limited my comments to establishing that Jesus was a sacrifice for sins, a role predicted many years before his birth. But if we accept that his death was a sacrifice for us, then we must ask the question, why and what does this mean to me? Jesus stands to us as an offer of great kindness from God. You can be sure that God didn't want his son to die. It was necessary. Without that death, mankind would still be condemned to death without hope. That death offers a way of hope. Just as Jesus was raised by God's power, we can find a way out of the grave. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 6 that if we identify ourselves with Jesus by being baptized in his name, we can be united with him in a symbolic way in his death and resurrection. That is, we can be considered to have died with Jesus when he died. That sentence of death has been fulfilled. Under these circumstances, we may be considered to live just as Christ was raised from the dead. 
We have the promise that we will not be left in the grave, but that we will be raised. If any man is prepared to allow his son to die for other men, this is a compelling proof of that man's loyalty or love for others. Isn't this a compelling proof of God's love for mankind? God clearly proves his love for us, even though we are sinful, that he would permit his only son, a perfect man, to die. Thus, Jesus as Savior is a demonstration to man of something terribly important. Jesus is a Savior for those who will come to God through him. Let's recognize that there's a divine principle operating in his death and resurrection. That principle involves a response from us, a recognition of sin in ourselves, a desire for a higher moral life, a willingness to accept God's way of life, and a desire to participate in the forgiveness of sins which is available through Christ, through his death. There's much more to this story than I've outlined, but suffice it to say that if we seek God's way out of sin and death, then he'll help us to find a way. The Bible has much to teach on this subject, and it's a profound teaching, enough to challenge your mind for years and enough to change your life. But of first importance, the Bible will tell us how we may find a way out of sin and death and how we may share in life through Jesus Christ, our Savior.